Okay, good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what's new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can help us lose weight, be healthier, or live longer better. Well, today I have a special treat for you. I have invited Katrina Foe, a functional nutritionist who also specializes, would you say, in diet and lifestyle approaches to health? And would your specialty be cancer? Absolutely. That's what I focus in. That's where my journey has led me. Tell us a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind, because, you know, I I just loved getting to know you and, and you're just such a warm, authentic person and your story is just captivating. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So um, I found the lump in my breast when I was nursing my fifth child and didn't think much of it. Uh, I had had a mastitis and I just thought, you know, there's shifts going on in the nursing breast, but long story short, it ended up being cancer and it just kind of flipped me on my head because I thought I was doing everything right. I had radically changed our diet. We had, you know, we were making all our own toiletries and cleaning products. And we had even moved out to the country to raise our own meat animals. Doing everything right. Yes. And, and you know, this is something we've all lost way too many people to this horrible epidemic of cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not going away anytime soon. That's why what you do is so important. So you were doing everything right, supposedly, but you know, yeah, so you thought. So tell us a little more. Yeah. The tricky thing is that I didn't know what I didn't know. And there were a lot of factors that were going on in my body and, you know, coming into my body that I had no idea about. I was insulin resistant, but I didn't feel bad. I was hypothyroid. I had estrogen dominance. I was, I was taking vitamin D, but it wasn't absorbing. I had crazy low levels and Mm. we had moved into a house that had high levels of toxic mold that was greatly affecting me. So, yes. And you were the one that told me that you have only had one person you've worked with that had cancer, that mold didn't show up as one of the contributing factors. Oh, yeah. And I test all my cancer clients for mold and yeah, just one, one has shown up without it. So this is, I mean, we have this as like, we know that mold is a known carcinogen, but yet we don't test for it to see if that's an issue. People Mm -hmm. don't address it. Um, The medical community doesn't really even acknowledge it. And so you know, is it a surprise that if people have cancer, you know, they address the tumor, they cut it out, whatever, that it comes back because they're still in the moldy environment. They they still have the mold inside them. Yeah. And, it's a and huge some, thing. Of those, some of those molds, aren't they very estrogenic? They can do all sorts of things. They can definitely disrupt our sex hormones. Um, they are a known driver of Alzheimer's, like all sorts of really... Mm disruptive functioning on our body. Absolutely. Oh boy. Okay. So you went on a process to clear all of these different issues out of your body. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. I looked at everything with new eyes, read dozens of cancer books to try to figure this out. Um, Lots and lots of testing, lots of needles, which I don't like. And, you know, huge shifts. We you can, I completely changed our diet. Um, we were eating more of a Weston Price style diet and I shifted to a very strict ketogenic, very clean ketogenic diet. Um, yes. and then I, I love the ketogenic diet. I, I love it, but you're right. It has to be done clean. So many yeah. people are, are kind of doing it wrong. So, so you did the keto diet and, and that then, you know, doesn't feed the cancer cells. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because when that blood glucose is high, like mine was, you know, kind of all the time and getting all these spikes with the insulin resistance, I didn't feel bad. I felt great, but it was fueling the cancer. And so the keto diet actually addresses that by getting the blood sugar regulated, but it's also giving you therapeutic ketones, which can actually help stimulate some of the repair and work that you need specifically for cancer, like stimulating those cancer cells to commit suicide called apoptosis. So there's a lot of really important things that getting into the high levels of ketones production is important. So you use this entirely as your approach to overcoming your cancer. Just the, yes. The yeah. And I did a lot of lifestyle modifications as well. Again, mm-hmm. with the mold and other toxins I had, I did a lot of infrared saunas and coffee enemas, but correct. I did not use any conventional surgery, chemo, radiation, that kind of a thing. Um, it, the craziest part, I mean, the tumor, it was right under the skin in my breast and it was a golf ball size. So it was not a small thing. And I had gotten a little crazy about it. You know, I'm like, how is it smaller? You know? And a friend of mine had been saying, Oh, I can feel mine getting smaller. And I'm like, really? I can't tell. So I I made a pledge to myself. I'm like, I'm not going to touch it anymore. I'm not going to obsess about this. And so for like, like five or six months, I I didn't touch it. And, and then when I, I rechecked it later, it was gone. Like somewhere in that time frame, my body had not only broken down the tumor mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. and detox the entire thing yeah. on its own, which that autophagy, kind of blows my mind. It really is. You know, that autophagy is something that, you mm-hmm. know, we've used therapeutic fasting in centuries past for this. And I know even in radiation and chemotherapy, they're using timed ketogenic diet and timed fasting to weaken those cancer cells so the therapies are going to be more effective because the cancer cells are already weakened. And so when you apply any of those therapies, oh my goodness. So I love that you brought that up, Deb, because I, I mean, that's why I tell clients, prospective clients all the time, like, okay, if you're going to go do chemo and such, make sure you do it in a fasted state. And I don't know why the oncologists aren't encouraging people. I mean, it's, it's free. It's an easy way to make the therapies more effective because the chemo, um, when you're taking it in, if you're in that state, the the cancer cells are just going to gobble it up so fast at that point. You know, I think it just takes so long for the research to get into practice. And, you know, I've been doing this 47 years now. And, oh, my gosh, the changes we've seen, but it's so slow. And actually, people are sicker now than they've ever been. 
Oh my goodness. Well, that's wonderful. And so you've had more children since that one. Yes, that was baby number five when I found it. And now I have a nice round seven. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is the lucky seven. I love that, love that, love that. Okay, so um, what do people need to know in order to prevent cancers? I mean, is it their genes? Is it something that they're just destined to have? We hear that a lot. We do hear that a lot. And I wish that would go away because... Cancers are only like five to 10% genetically driven. However, there are a lot of things that we can look at that are known drivers, like that mold I talked about, that we can test and we can look for to see if those are issues for that client. And there's the key thing here is it's not going to be one thing. Like it wasn't just the mold for me. There were a lot of factors and there's some other ones that I didn't even mention. Um, It's usually like six to eight of these areas of root cause drivers that are off in big ways and they don't necessarily cause symptoms or they might not be symptoms that you associate with like, oh, that's cancer, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's important to test because, you know, whether you actually have a cancer diagnosis or not, like all of these things together create this perfect storm. And for some people, it ends up in cancer. Some it'll end up in things like heart disease or Alzheimer's or something. But either which way, we have these amazing tools to really look at what's going on behind the scenes to see, are you on that path to chronic disease? And then you have specific tools to look at to address and support so that you can turn it around. Yes. And and there's so many things. You know, I every once in a while will wear a continuous glucose monitor because I've been insulin resistant since I was probably eight years old. And, and you know... That's something you don't cure. You control it with diet, with exercise, with with just lifestyle things that are so doable. It doesn't take a whole lot. I um, read some research, and you probably are familiar with it. It was just July in JAMA Oncology. And they did, you know, people that wear smartwatches, they're able to um, just kind of track their activity. And what they found, 23,000 people, and these people self-described themselves as non-exercisers. But if they had four and a half minutes of intensity throughout a day, four and a half minutes, it decreased their risk of cancer 32%. That's amazing. I love that? that. I know it's so doable and that's yeah. breast cancer. It's not all cancers, but it's breast cancer, uterine hormone driven and colon cancer. So, oh my goodness, four and a half minutes. That's like running up a flight of stairs or it's digging in your garden. So doable. And, yeah. and so many of these things, I think people think it's so hard to change things, but no, no. You, the problem is that most people, they're not motivated enough. Yeah. They've got to be in enough pain to you know, have enough symptoms or, or fear to really then motivate them to yeah. do the work and shift, you know, yeah. go against what's just convenient and what's right there. And that's the hard thing um, in today's society that non-healthy things are just so much more convenient and more fun a lot of times. So yeah. take a pill, you know, drive up window. All that. And, and, you know, I remember you're, you're right about that pain. I remember when my gynecologist, you know, we need to have a hysterectomy. 
It's like, well, we don't. You're telling me I need to have. And then, you know, I looked up and I said, no, I don't think so. And he said, now, now, sometimes these things are necessary. It's like, oh, man, you know, you cry, you pray, you listen, you change everything. I went back a month, six weeks later, totally normal. Body wants to heal. You know, there's so many pathways, just like there's when you test people and you find there's how many things did you say were out of whack? Eight different things, mm-hmm. you know, and and the body has so many mechanisms to keep things balanced. And, you know, if this one's having trouble, there's all sorts of backups. Body wants to heal. It wants mm-hmm. wants to be well. OK, so you test for all these things. And how can people find out why they would be at risk or why they got cancer? Yeah, so that's the million dollar question, right? Um, By doing this testing, you can see what was driving, what systems are not working right in you. And part of that testing is an epigenetic test. You look at your genetic SNPs and those you can see, you know, we look at the low penetrance ones. So those are the ones that have the greatest um, ability to be shifted by epigenetics. So the diet and lifestyle choices that can flip on or off these genetic SNPs. Um, some people call them mutations. I, just I don't, like to be I don't because I have a bunch of them. Yeah, I exactly. call them variations. <laughs> and, you know, so knowing that you have these variations is really empowering. Personally, I have a fast COMT SNP, which that doesn't mean a lot probably to a lot of people, but most cancer people have slow ones. I have non, non-cancer non oh. typical one. So that has to do with how fast you burn through your hormones and your neurotransmitters. So for me, I just blow through my hormones and I need to slow it down. Whereas most cancer clients, they get in trouble because they have a slow one. And so they're not burning through it enough. And so... <clears throat> Sometimes things like ECGC, which is in matcha, people will be told to drink for cancer. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, the ECGC is great, but if you have a knowledge that you have a slow calm tea, that's going to actually back you up more. Ooh. So again, knowing all the pieces to understand that it's not just are you estrogen dominant, but it's also like, how is this being played out with all your different genes? And the other factors, the other organ systems and, and environmental influences like toxins, like the mold, can affect those hormones as well. So it's looking at the entire picture to really understand you specifically. Oh, and, and the toxicants in our environment. You know, when I finished my book, it was like 80,000. Now it's 90,000. And they admit less than 2% have been thoroughly tested. And so many of them, we've known for decades that they're horribly carcinogenic. Yeah. We have not taken them out of our environment. You know, you hear about the the soldiers that were at Camp Lejeune between, you know, I don't know, 57 and 87. And, you know, there's there, they were exposed to that TCE, I think it was, oh, triethyl chlorine. And oh my gosh, horrible. Horrible. And the thing is, you could have had an exposure as a child and it's not going to play out for a long time. So mm-hmm. so the detoxification mechanisms. So how how would you address that? You look at their epigenetics and then how else 
how else would you, I mean, diet? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the whole thing. So looking at epigenetics, mm-hmm. looking at like what is real time going on. So the toxins and then how are their systems actually doing like, how is their liver processing things and oh, such? Yeah. And then looking at like, let's clean up the diet. Let's optimize it for that specific person. But then combining in, looking at all these things, what is the priority and adding some layers of support to clear things. So with elimination, you know, we want to look at getting it out through the sweat, the the feces, the urine, you know, all this stuff to make sure that the body is, is pressing things out. Right. Um, so things like infrared saunas, getting the sweat in a parasympathetic state, as well as, you know, things like coffee enemas can be very helpful to making sure that those toxins are getting out while you give that liver some love. Yeah. Boy, that's an old one too. I think that goes, I love them way back. Yeah. And they are super helpful. Yeah. And um, coffee. I want to make sure it's organic. Yes. And mold free and mold. Because most coffees are um, very high in mold, Brazil nuts, coffee, peanut butter, you know, you got to watch out for the yeah, peanut butter, and that's so hard on the liver. Oh my gosh, what what a great offerings you have! That's, that's just so terrific. Um, okay, so how else would you help the body detox and reduce the inflammation? Yeah, so the other big part is not about just getting it out, but you want to first start with making sure that you reduce the level that's coming in, kind of like what you were talking about earlier. So cleaning up your toiletries, makeup, cleaning products, you know, and, and I tell people so that they don't get overwhelmed that, you know, just replace things with new, better things as you go. It doesn't have to be like a, let's clean out the entire house in one day, unless that's your personality. That's a separate thing. (laughs) Um, Turning off the Wi-Fi at night, getting the cell phone, you know, away from your body out of the bedroom at night, Um, things like you know, looking at your, your cookware, make sure that it's not non-toxic or make sure that it's not non-stick. Yeah. There's so many different ways that we can reduce the toxic load. That is really critical. Oh, the water testing your water is really huge. I find weird things in water and, you know, anytime that you can reduce the toxic load, even though you may not see like, Oh my goodness, rainbows just started shooting out of my ears. I feel so much better now that we got a <laughs> RO system on our water. You know, yeah. that's not going to happen. But what you're doing is you're just making it that much easier for your body to heal because it has that much less toxins that it's having to deal with. Something I wasn't even thinking about. You know, I, we have a reverse osmosis think, and I always recommend that. But something else that I hadn't thought about, you know, all the stretchy clothes we have. Those plastics, every time you wash the clothes, all of those toxins are going into our water supply that our municipalities are not capable, not even thinking about, you know, we have developed so many things that science hasn't even figured out how to clear those out so much yet. So it's, yeah, it's, wow, you know. We've, we've got our work cut out for us. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a big thing. And a lot of times with clients, especially if they're, if they're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, it can get super overwhelming. So again, just do one thing at a time and just, it can, it can really suck the life out of you and be an unending rabbit hole. Because like you said, there's 
so many, oh, I never thought about this. And oh, I never thought about that. And oh, the plastics, we got to get the, <laughs> you want to just try to do the best you can and right. know that it's never going to be perfect in this broken world. Yeah. And we're just trying to reduce it as much as possible. Yeah. And the, and the body is so resilient. Yes. You, you clear up some things and it just rewards you big time. Well, oh my gosh, Katrina. So you've got a book coming out. Yes, it's out. Oh, it's out. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yay. Tell us about that. It's called Nutritional Pilates. So before my cancer diagnosis, I was a Pilates instructor, teacher, trainer. And so I'm combining looking at the body from a movement, a therapeutic movement perspective with the uh, functional nutrition to kind of give people a framework of like all the different things that can mess them up. So, you know, what is causing inflammation? What is throwing your hormones off? Like when things aren't working, you know, especially when, you know, us women, we have those stubborn pounds. A lot of times it's like, I did all the stuff, right? Why is it not working? Well, you know, maybe there's mold involved. Maybe there's some other toxin, maybe your, you know, insulin levels are inappropriate. There's all these other things that I want to just shed some light on so that people don't keep feeling like they're crazy. There's other stuff to look at. <laughs> Nutritional Pilates on Amazon. It is. Yes. All right. We love Amazon. Don't we? Yes. Yes. Yep. yep. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to follow up further? Absolutely. My website is cancerfreedom.com. And my um, my Instagram is just my name, Katrina Foe. And those would be great ways to connect in with me. Great. F-O-E. All right, Katrina. Thank you so much. And that was another edition of Today's Nutrition. As always, you can listen to this show again on my website, debford.com or any place you listen to podcasts. So that's it. And thank you and have a wonderful day.